Warning! The following presentation contains information that might contradict what you have previously heard, or believed to be true, about how the human body works, and contains material that is not suitable for closed-minded individuals. Enjoy! Well, thanks for joining. We're going to continue looking at issues related to diet, nutrition, metabolism, and health. This time looking at some of the controversies surrounding the notion of hormones within the food. And what about all those hormones that I'm hearing about, such as testosterone, growth hormone, insulin, estrogen, progesterone, cortisol, or cortisol-like chemicals. We've heard about all these things being found in food or processed food or in the meats and in the dairy products that we are consuming. But how true is it? that we're finding these hormones in those foods and what impact might those hormones have on any of our own physiology and our own health? Well, it's not what you might think it is. One of the things that we have to remember is that the hormones that we are thinking about are not given to animals in the feed that they're eating. It's not that we're feeding the animals this product and expecting them to get the hormones from products. There is some times where we will be given some animals' hormones and hormone treatments, and it's particularly growth hormone, and we'll find it mainly within the cattle and possibly within lambs, but it's really just contained within the feedlots. And it's not really that important. Why? Well, because it's how hormones are going to work. Hormones do not function the way that we might think about hormones. Hormones are going to function based off of pulses and responses to pulses within our body, as well as pulses and responses to pulses within all of the food that we're going to eat in terms of the animals. We'll also see it within the plants. It's not just animals that are going to have hormones, but plants will have hormones too. And so what we need to remember is that for the animals that we're usually thinking about when we're thinking about these hormone-free products, is that in order for us to have these hormones be in such high concentrations, the farmers and the workers on the farm would have to need to inject most of these hormones that we're thinking about that we get scared about, such as testosterone or estrogen or progesterone or cortisol or growth hormone or insulin. And the dose and duration that we see for most of those hormones would mean that we would have to consume the treated animal in a very short period of time. More often than not, the duration that the hormone is in action is very, very short. And if we were to use these hormones for purposes to induce greater amounts of growth, the farmer or the farmhands would need to be dosing animals continuously throughout days. And then when we think about it in terms of how we're gonna eat those things, the butchering of the animals would have to include all of the fluids, which is where most of the hormones are going to be in circulation throughout the animal and within movement throughout the animal, which means that we would have to butcher the animal very shortly after the dosing of the animal with the hormones. And then we would have to consume not only the meats of the animal, but also all of the fluids that are found within the animal. Most of us don't do that. For some of the hormones, there may be some storage within fat tissues, particularly for the fat-soluble hormones, such as the steroid hormones, 
But even then, we would have to eat a large amount of the fat in, in particular distinct areas of fat to be able to see those hormones being consumed in large quantities. There is some indication that we might see some of the hormones within some of the milk products and in some of the dairy products, but even then it's not in super physiological doses. Most of what we're seeing is in normal uh, spike rates, normal pulses for a lactating animal. Now, the other thing we have to remember is that for most of the hormones that we get worried about, cooking that hormone is going to end up damaging that molecule. And if we damage the molecule, the molecule is not going to be functional. And if the molecule is not functional, then the hormone is not going to be, have a chance to bind to its hormone receptor. And if it can't bind to the hormone receptor, it's not going to be able to do any of its actions. Now, there may be some residuals that come about at the end of the cooking process. But the residuals may not trigger the same amount of response that we might get from the hormone itself. Now, as we go through this and start looking at some of the hormones and products that we might see, one thing we have to remember is that the hormones that we keep getting worried about are naturally occurring hormones. And so all the hormones that we're told to be afraid about are normal things that plants and animals need. And just like you and me, if we give them additional hormones, they're not going to be able to function healthily. Their, their, their health, their ability to function in a normal fashion is going to be impacted. And that impact is going to make them less desirable to be a food product. I know you're now thinking, okay, okay, okay. But do I really need to worry about the, the hormones? I've been told I have to worry about the hormones. I've been told that, oh, there's this change in puberty and there's this change in reproductive responses and there's a change in cancer risks because of all of the hormones that I get in the food. Well, we'll take it one by one here. The change in puberty is associated more with warmer environmental temperatures and more food availability than any of the chemicals they might find in food. The reports that you might hear in the news about earlier puberty is not really a phenomenon if we look at it in terms of normal population. That is the statistical norm, the normal curve. We may have more reports of earlier puberty, but the only reason why we're having more reports of earlier puberty is simply because we have more people. It's not an actual percentage change in terms of when puberty is starting. There is some indication that we might have changes in some risks for reproductive cancers, and we'll talk about that here in a second with some of the chemicals we might have in food products. But there's no indication that the hormones that we might have in the animals or in the plants that we're eating are having any impact on reproductive functions and pupil development. 
the issues with cancers is not from the hormones that we have within the foods, but from other aspects of lifestyle that are impacting uh, genetic signals that can turn on or turn off uh, protective oncogenes where we're going to turn on the oncogene and allow for cancers to develop, or we're going to inhibit preventative genes, genes that keep cancers in check. But once again, that's not about having distinct hormones that are found within foods. And so when we look at it, do we have to worry about it? Simple answer, no. It's not something to be overly scared about. Like GMO and like organic foods, we're using words to misinform, and that misinformation leads to somebody becoming scared from the word. So GMOs are very safe to eat. There is no indication scientifically that there is any uh, evidence to show that GMO is not safe for food consumption. Organic foods and organic ideals are not a scientific thing. They are a marketing thing. The indication for being organic and having organic food is a marketing label, not a scientific information issue. We briefly talked about the organic issue earlier in a earlier talk. And I would just ask you to go ahead and listen to that in terms of the organic versus the inorganic or the non-organic. And so what ends up happening is that we have nothing really to worry about, about the hormones that we have in animals or in plants in terms of consumption. We tend to use or get fearful of big words. And so why is it something we shouldn't worry about? Well, because the measured hormones in foods are normal values and normal pulses for the animals that we're consuming and for the plants that we're consuming. The measured values that we see, if we look at the empirical evidence and the reviews that are out there in the scientific literature, show that the values, the amounts of the hormones that we tend to get worried about or get scared about are not high enough in concentration to provide a dose response for most humans. We have to remember that when we're eating foods, we're cooking most of our foods and cooking damages the proteins. And most of the hormones that we tend to get scared about are proteins. However, the steroids are lipids, they're fats, they're coming from cholesterol molecules. That's the, chem that's the chemical cholesterol molecule, not the blood test cholesterol molecule. Two different cholesterols, even though we use the same word. When we cook materials, the molecules will undergo chemical reactions with the cooking. And that cooking is gonna turn an active functional molecule into a less active functional molecule. And when we're talking about health issues coming from the hormones and foods, we're linking stuff together through correlative actions. That is an association. 
Correlation does not mean causation. Just because two things are linked together doesn't mean that we have a cause and an effect relationship. And what we have to remember is that when we're looking at overall health and overall physiological functions, the reactions that we see, the metabolism that we see is very complex. And it is excessively rare to have a, a single factor such as diet and hormones in the diet or food affecting hormones being the single culprit for having any type of health issue come about. We have a rather intricate web of chemical reactions taking place within the body that is metabolism. And while we do need the metabolites, we do need the, chem the chemicals to do the chemical reactions. The indication that a single thing that is being consumed is going to be the root cause for health issues, it tends to be a uh, misnomer, it tends to put us in the wrong direction or point us in the wrong direction. So should we be concerned about hormones in the foods? Not so much. But then again, we're consuming mimics without any concern. We're consuming things that have chemical signatures that have the, the molecular shape that are very similar to hormones that we have in our body. We're overly concerned about these evil hormones, and you can put quotes around evil, in food products. But we readily consume products that mimic our naturally occurring hormones without a care in the world. And so we have to think about why is it that I'm worried about hormones, but I'm not worried about these other things that can cause other hormonal responses. And so what we have to do is to think, about, okay, why is it? It's, it's more about marketing and the ability to charge a little bit more for something that is being sold as quote unquote healthier. When all we're trying to do is get the base units to do the chemistry that the body needs to do in order to keep the body functioning normally. And so when we look at these mimics, what things should we be concerned about? Well, there's a whole bunch of chemicals that we're consuming that have actions that are very similar to hormones and neurotransmitters that we don't normally think about when we think about chemicals that we're consuming. We're consuming a whole bunch of phytosterols. Phytosterols are plant hormones, phyto. They're plant hormones that mimic steroids and in particular to mimic estrogen hormones. And most of these are going to have very similar effects in terms of responding to estrogen receptors on the cells that will, that will instigate a response regardless of whether the product is cooked or not. We take a whole bunch of, or consume a whole bunch of things that are sympathomimics. And the sympathomimics are things that are going to act like our fight or flight chemicals. But we also consume things that have a uh, chemistry that is referenced as being a monoamine or a catecholamine. And so the sympathetic mimics and the monoamines and the catecholamines are going to impact things like our adrenaline or epinephrine signals, our norepinephrine or noradrenaline signals, our dopamine signals, our serotonin signals, 
And so we consume products, and most of us consume a lot of this product without even thinking about it, and that's caffeine. Caffeine is a sympathomimic. It's also a monoamine, and it's going to trigger distinct responses within the body. Why do we get jitters when we consume caffeine? Because it's mimicking the adrenaline hormone. It's mimicking epinephrine. It's also why we have distinct responses to products that have small bits of caffeine or phenylalanine or phenylbenzene within it that will trigger dopamine responses that can lead to addictive properties. We also will consume glutamate and glycine stuff all the time. We've heard a lot about this in some of the news products, particularly as it relates to a lot of the Asian cuisines with the inclusion of MSG, monosodium glutamate. We see a lot of the glutamate and the glycine, and these are amino acids that are used for signaling within the nervous system that are related to activation of the nervous system. And so we see a lot of food preservatives that will activate the glutamate and the glycine responses within the body. Artificial sweeteners, such as aspartame, can be converted into aspartic acid. And aspartic acid is a neurotransmitter that is going to be involved with regulating activity within the central nervous system, within the brain. But it's also going to be involved with metabolic processes within the mitochondria. And then one of the things that we talk about in terms of behavioral responses as it relates to feeding behavior is the endocabinoidal system. And so there's a whole bunch of, particularly with the way in which laws are changing within the United States, endocabinoidal mimics. Chemicals that are going to mimic are naturally, in, naturally occurring cabinoids or cannabinoids within our body. CBD oil. is one of those products that is now being mass marketed that people will use without even thinking about it. That is an endocabinoidal mimic. That's going to mimic the normally occurring hormone and neurotransmitter endocabinoid. And so we have this kind of duality taking place here. We have this duality taking place of okay, I am worried about these hormones that are in my food products, but I'm not really worried about these other things that are also going to look like hormones in my body that are in my food products. And it goes back to the marketing of food that we're consuming. And the idea that some food is healthier than other foods, while there are foods that we want to try to avoid in, in certain times, what we have to remember is that most of the food that we're going to be consuming we're consuming for the nutrients that are found within the food. If it's an animal or if it's a plant, that food product is going to have hormones in it because the hormones are going to be naturally occurring within the organisms that we are raising for food, whether it's a plant or an animal. 
Now, the other thing that we have that is coming up with a lot of discussion points is, okay, I need to change my diet in order to be healthier. I need in order to be healthier because I need to restore hormone balance in my body. And so what should I be looking at with restoring the, the hormones in my body? Well, that's a story for another day. We'll take a look at that in a later talk. We'll be talking about food substances that will disrupt hormone functions and food products that might be able to restore hormone functions. And we'll take a look at food products and nutrients that we consume that can disrupt my normally occurring metabolism that are not these evil thought about hormones that we hear about in terms of the hormone-free packaging and the organic packaging that is on all of the products that we are consuming. Because once again, the hormone-free and the organic is all about marketing in order to get you to buy something because it's being pitched as being healthier for you. Well, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Please stay tuned for more talks on the topics related to physiology, metabolism, health, 